Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to episode 90 of the Snyder Cut. I am Collider's senior film reporter, Jeff Snyder. And man, I'm wiped. Wild weekend in Vermont this past week. At my brother's wedding, I was the officiant. Things went swimmingly. It was better than I could have ever imagined. A beautiful uh, reception and ceremony. It was great to see my brother's friends and so many family members. And wow, just a, a great time up in the, the mountains of Vermont. So picturesque. Loved it. Um, so it is not Thursday, technically. We are taping the show on Tuesday. I am pulling a fast one on you guys, but I'm holding the show till Thursday. Basically, here's the deal. Our, our beloved producer, Thad Williams, has earned himself a vacation of sorts. Uh, and so he is out on, from Wednesday on, which means I could either basically not have a show this week or tape before he left on Tuesday. But we have a lot to cover. I was out on Friday. There's a whole bunch of stuff I didn't get to weigh in in on so uh so yeah let's let's just dive in um let's start with black widow right i mean black widow the embargo lifted everybody's talking about it now the reviews hit i watched it last night on screener and i thought it was okay i didn't love it i thought you know like most marvel movies the script is just secondary like it's these are movies are just excuses you know, for action sequences, right? Like the, the the writing, it's very rarely, and I know I'm gonna get, you know, shit for saying this, but yeah, the, the, the writing is very rarely like top tier, obviously. Um, I mean, yes, people quote these movies and they mean so much to millions of people, but like, come on, all these movies like follow the same template. Black Widow in particular, um, I did not really love the script. It had a real villain problem to me. That, that said, it's not that it's, I, I wouldn't call it uh, like a, a bottom tier Marvel movie. I'd call it maybe lower mid tier. It's definitely not the worst Marvel movies that, that I've seen where like you come out of the, the theater like angry, maybe, you know, and, and so much of it does have to do with expectations, let's be honest. And my expectations for this movie, best case scenario, were always going to be like two and a half, three stars, like at best. Um, and it was probably two stars. Maybe two and a half, maybe on a generous day. Uh, I gave it like a C plus on In Snyder Plus. There you go. I just, I just spoiled my, the grade that I had teased on my Twitter account. But anyways, it got a C plus. Um, Scarlett Johansson, here's the thing. I like her in general. Like I, I think she can be really good with the right material, whether that's Match Point or Don John or Ghost World or a whole, you know, a whole, she's a very good actress. Black Widow is kind of a boring character. Like she's just very like monotone. Um, there's not a lot of like flash there. And I like it when she is with the guys because then she sort of stands out. She, she, you know, she's distinguished from the rest of them, obviously, but, but she like also has to like put up with them. And, but I don't know. I like her dynamic within the, the Avengers. Um, and, and particularly with some of the, the guys here, when you're asking her to carry a whole movie, didn't really work. And I know, I know she's not being asked to carry the whole movie because it's introducing Florence Pugh's, you know, Yelena and, uh, and the Red Guardian, David Harbour and Rachel Bites. Um, 
but you know, some of the family stuff, it was just like, this movie is two hours and 15 minutes and it's like, like most movies, uh, probably 20 minutes too long. Um, especially some stuff with like Florence Pugh and David Harbour, where you're just like, why is this in the movie? Like this should have been cut all this like kind of bonding or sense of humor and stuff. I, 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 I obviously, you know, they, they want to get their character development moments in where they can because there's so few of them, but uh, I, I don't know. It kind of just dragged, it, it dragged a bit for me at, at roughly two hours and 15 minutes. Um, it started out strong though. And, and you know what? I like the credits. I, I, some of my Collider colleagues in the Slack today were, were like, oh, just a terrible like needle drop with the, you know, um, smells like teen spirit or whatever. The, the, you know, they cover a Nirvana song. Here we are now entertain us and um but but like i thought it was like an interesting title sequence you know like it was something that we don't often see a lot of out of marvel they, they don't really like to do them they kind of just like to dive in um but i i thought it again i thought it separated itself from the others in that regard i thought there were some cool action sequences i don't know what the budget was for this movie i, I can't imagine it was like as high as the avengers movies or the captain america movies or whatever um, they, they were probably working with a little bit less particularly because it's uh, kate shortland not the russo brothers you know doesn't have the same experience with the vfx or the same just clout in general over at marvel um but you know you know I, okay so the third act gets a little goofy you, you know uh but i, I thought that it was kind of interesting seeing like this whole action sequence take place in the air. I like the early action sequences, uh, you know, which are kind of taskmaster heavy taskmaster is the villain. I won't say much more than that since it, I, and I, and I did like the mystery element of it. Like you're guessing who is behind the taskmaster outfit. Um, that was an interesting element that, that I suppose kept me engaged on, uh, you know, you know, beyond a surface level. Um, Florence Pugh was good. David Harbour was probably like having the most fun. I, I just liked that he, I mean, he, he was like such a good character actor before Stranger Things. Um, like he stood out in a few, in, in a few things and then obviously got, you know, the, the chief hopper role on Stranger Things and then kind of became like a, a, a star, but he, he gets back to kind of doing character actor type stuff in this. And I like it. Yeah. The, the movie just has a villain problem and, and, um, you know, Ray Winston, I don't, there's, there's some weird stuff in this movie, by the way. Very, very, very weird stuff. Uh, it has Black Widow doing stuff, you know, because there's a brainwashing element to it, doing stuff that you would be like, well, how are we rooting for this character after this? Um, what else was there? A lot of discussion of female reproductive systems, which is uh, odd in a big summer like action movie. It's just some weird stuff in this in this film, which is why I had to go C plus. It's, it, yeah. Anyways, it, 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 is it worth the $30? It depends how invested you are in, in the Marvel universe, right? Because that's what we're, it's behind the paywall on Disney, isn't it? It's behind, it's on Disney Premier Access. So if you're not going to the movie theater, I don't know, it seems to me like you could probably wait a while to, to catch this one. I don't know when, when is the next like Marvel thing? Is it Eternals? Uh, or is it Shang-Chi? I, I have no idea what the hell like the, the schedule is since it all got tweaked. Um, I recommend with reservations, you know, just don't, I wouldn't get your hopes up, but it, it's worth a look. 
it certainly wasn't terrible. I, I don't think I, I did watch it with a friend and he was less enthused than I was. Um, he thought it was pretty bad, but I, I think you kind of got to forgive the movie. It's marvelness, you know, like, <laughs> and there's some really silly stuff in it too. I, I, at one point, I think a helicopter drops out of the sky and it's just like lands on the, on the ground. Like, you know, people are doing ridiculous things in this movie and surviving and taking like the most brutal hits and falls and they're fine, no scratches on them. Or, or there is like a single scratch to like, you know, reiterate that these people can be hurt, but it, it wouldn't, anyways, it's, it's kind of unrealistic. Um, Black Widow, yeah. An, an odd duck and, and just a movie that really should have come out five to seven years ago or something like that, right? Three to five years ago, at least. Maybe not five to seven, but three to five, yeah. Um, I know we're starting with the, with the reviews. Uh, I mean, I, I don't have that much to review. I haven't seen Fear Street yet. Um, I'm almost done with the ice road. I had to stop it with like 20 minutes left. So I'm going to find out what happens with the ice road, but you know. What wasn't great <laughs> was like most Liam Neeson movies, maybe a, maybe a tick below. Um, honestly, I've just been watching a lot of television. I mean, I've had the wedding to deal with and all that, so I wasn't really around consuming media this past weekend, but uh, and I've been watching The White Lotus. I watched uh, Mr. Corman, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Apple show. I can't really talk about either one of them. I believe that both are under embargo, uh, but I certainly liked one more than the other. Um, what else is cooking here? This is going to be an abbreviated show, obviously, since we're not dealing with nearly as much news. It's it obviously got slow before the July Fourth holiday. There is a Scott Weiland biopic in the works. The singer uh, from Stone Temple Pilots and Velvet Revolver. I never really got into Velvet Revolver. My dad did. That was like the super group that he formed after, uh, or got invited into after Stone Temple Pilots with like a bunch of guys from Guns N' Roses. So I never really listened to that, but I was a big STP guy early on. I mean, I was a child of the 90s. I had, there was a corn and a Marilyn Manson poster up here at one point, Rage Against the Machine and Metallica. Like I liked the harder stuff. Um, Stone Temple Pilots, I wouldn't say it was like you know, hard necessarily. They were like an alter, just a, you know, an alternative band, like a Soundgarden or Smashing Pumpkins. Um, don't think they were on quite that level but they had some really good songs like you know creep was a really good song you know i'm half the man i used to be i remember vaseline uh, and but like i really got into them because those were like albums that were already out by the time i got into music and discovered them those first two albums the third album though is the movie it is not the, movie, the album that i went out to like coconuts or strawberries wherever the hell i was buying shit sam goody paying 18 or 19 dollars a disc which is hilarious to me uh and i bought that third album um which is where the movie takes its title from which you know the movie's called paper heart the song is uh, tripping on hole in a paper heart and i was listening to stp this past weekend driving back from vermont because i had i was doing like a whole soundtrack thing I, you know I, I tweeted about the patty cake soundtrack so that was one of the soundtracks i was listening to a lot of 90s stuff like i know you did last summer um, the faculty, Cruel Intentions. And uh, so SDP is obviously on the Crow soundtrack, which I was just totally grooving out to that, that Cure song, Burn, but Big Empty came up next. And like, Scott Wyland had a great voice. Obviously he had his, his battles with heroin and, and, and substance addiction. And I think that that could actually make a pretty interesting 
movie. Uh, I don't know who you'd cast, maybe like an Aaron Paul or a Justin Chatwin or someone like that. Um, Cause he was like a skinny kind of like wiry little dude. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I, apparently there's a big STP fan who's, who's like writing and producing this thing. So it feels like the film is actually in good hands and they don't just want to focus on, on the, the bad stuff, the addiction stuff. They, they want to you know, show this guy that he was like a, a great high school athlete back in the day and a good father or, you know, what, what, whatever it may be. It, it's different than the typical like Queen, the Bee Gees, you know, these are the types of people who are, who are getting biopics these days. Scott Wilde's a little bit messier, not nearly uh, as well known as those groups, but I think that that's part of the appeal. This could make a really good like indie movie at, at Sundance, who knows? Uh, speaking of not indie movies, Amazon ponied up big buckaroos for a new movie starring The Rock. This is a, an action adventure comedy. I, I stick to two genres. I, cannot, I, I, I don't like when three genres make their way into log line descriptions and whatnot, but we're going to call it an action comedy uh, that is set around the holidays. And a red one, what do you think? It's Santa Claus related, isn't it? It's got to be. So this is based on an idea by Hiram Garcia, who is um, you know, one, of, one of Dwayne's partners at Seven Bucks. Uh, he's going to produce it with, with Danny Garcia. And The Rock is going to star. And this was like something of a statement buy, it felt like, for Amazon. Um, this is not the kind of fare that they typically acquire. And when they do acquire big fare like this, it's, you know, after the fact, like when the film's in the can, like The Tomorrow War, which they've used, you know, this week or whatever with uh, Chris Pratt, Coming to America, Borat 2. These are Amazon's, you know, top dollar acquisitions. Um, they don't really win a lot of big bidding wars and auctions. So, you know, like, was this actually a, a hot property? Was this, did they have to pay top dollar for this? Or is this like, you know, The Rock really wanting to help Hiram, his friend and, and former brother-in-law or whatever, I, I believe, um, you know, get like this passion project made? Because this was, a, yeah, based on an, an original idea of Hiram's. Um, are we going to see The Rock as Santa Claus or as like a the Santa Claus type thing with like with Tim Allen where, you know, a guy becomes Santa Claus or is forced to take on the, the suit? Uh, is this like a St. Nick origin story? I have no idea really what the plot specifics are, but The Rock doing an, an, an Amazon movie that is likely nine figures, right? Over a hundred million um, that has red in the title. I mean, he's doing Red Notice for Netflix. So I, I, and I swear at one point they wanted Dwayne to voice Clifford the Big, Big Red Dog. I don't know who's actually voicing him. I know that we just got like a trailer that I haven't watched it. We got something today. I know I saw Clifford the Big Red Dog in the news, but uh, I could have sworn they wanted The Rock to voice him. Anyway, he's voicing another dog now. He's voicing Crypto the Super Dog uh, in, in that DC League of Super Pets movie. Um, Antonio Banderas. This was an interesting one. Okay, Antonio Banderas is going to play Italian crime reporter Mario Spezzi. In, how'd you like that pronunciation? Mario Spezzi. Some, uh, may, I, I think I just changed it. <laughs> in The Monster of Florence. Now, this is a book that I've wanted to read for like a decade. And I've, in fact, been talking about it since I got back to, to Boston here, where I'm recording the show. My dad's girlfriend, Amy, she got me the two books that I've been talking about, like the, the, the sort of two of the pillars, I would say, of true, of true crime up there with like In Cold Blood or... You know, the onion fields, right? Uh, or, you know, whatever it is, are the monster Florence and the devil in the white city, which is in the works over at, you know, Hulu. 
Um, so I was like, literally a few days ago, I was holding both of the books in my hands. Like, which one do I want to read? Because I finished the book on the Hillside Stranglers that I talked about on last week's podcast. Do I want to read Monster Florence or do I want to read Devil in the White City? And then that day, I believe, or the next day, Bullet Train showed up, you know, that, that, which is going to be that big Brad Pitt movie coming out next year. Um, so I ended up going with that one, about 50 pages into uh, that now, since I didn't really get a chance to read during, you know, wedding weekend. Um, but anyways, Monster Florence, it like involves this Italian serial killer and this American novelist who teams up with an Italian crime reporter to investigate the case. And they actually end up identifying the killer, I believe. And at one point, Mario Spezzi was accused of being the killer by the Italian authorities. I think he was like making a lot of waves and, and, and problems for the cops in Italy. Um, and so he sort of fell under suspicion given how like he knew so much and, and, and uh, that kind of thing. Antonio Banderas, you know, he, this guy's like a fine wine. He's only getting better with age. He just got that Oscar nomination a couple years ago for, for Pain and Glory, which I unfortunately still have not seen. Um, but I've always respected him as an actor, you know, like even when like back in the day when he was just sort of seen as like a good looking action star, like he, I, I always thought he had some chops and this could be like a great, great role for him. This is a studio canal thing. So it doesn't really have a network yet. I'm, I'm very, very curious as to where this could land. Like, you know, does Apple pick this up? Does HBO? Excuse me wrong pipe but this is the kind of like high profile crime show that if i was an executive i would absolutely be putting in an offer maybe waiting uh to see who gets cast opposite banderas as um douglas preston uh we broke a story this week frosty and i really frosty i just did the writing on this one but uh ron perlman voicing Optimus Primal in Transformers Rise of the Beasts. This is the movie with Anthony Ramos and Dominique Fishback. Ron Perlman has voiced the character Optimus Primal in something of the prime. I, I don't even remember what it was. God. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he, he did not voice Optimus Primal in, in Beast Wars, I guess it's called. That was I, this guy, Gary Chalk. Uh, but Ron Perlman, you know, he's, he's a bigger star. He's Hellboy, you know, goes way back with, with Guillermo del Toro. I was actually surprised at how far back he goes with Guillermo. Like, I, I knew that he'd been in a, in a couple of things and worked with him on the Hellboy movies, but like, I didn't realize he was already, he was like in Kronos. Um, but he's got that, that, that booming gravelly voice and, and you can see why he would get the call to, to voice this character. Optimus Primal is the leader of the Maximals. He's got like his own spaceship. He's a, a brave, courageous fighter, but also not afraid to like do whatever it takes to win. Um, and I believe Peter Cullen is going to be back as Optimus Prime, you know, like where, where Optimus Primal gets his name from. Uh, so yeah, I, listen, I, terror cons and I, I can't, I can't. Transformers, go read the article. Phoebe Dynavore. Cast in I Love Murder. This is like a, a Sony comedy. I think it's like about like a true crime podcast or that kind of thing. I don't have the log line at the tips of my fingers and she could ring the doorbell and I have no idea who she is. But I know she's on Bridgerton and is a big star and is dating Pete Davidson or whatever. So Juno Temple, good actress. She's in The Offer now, the, the Paramount Plus series about the making of The Godfather. She's going to be playing Al Ruddy's assistant. Al Ruddy being played by Miles Teller, filling in for Army Hammer. Um, 
and yeah, just one more, you know, interesting name filling out that cast. I really like how that one's coming together. Gareth Edwards, True Love, added Danny McBride, Gemma Chan, and Benedict Wong. Uh, to, uh, they are joining John David Washington. Right, John David Washington is the star of that. Sorry, I like, got confused there for a second because Gareth Edwards is casting and Gareth Evans are casting at the same time. Timothy Oliphant joined, uh, I believe it's called Havoc with Tom Hardy. That's from Gareth Evans, the director of The Raid. So yeah, I always confuse Edwards, Evans, they're both Gareth's and now they're casting a movie at the same time. A little, it threw me off for a second. Um, Miramax nabbed The Holdovers, that Paul Giamatti, Alexander Payne, while MGM nabbed Pussy Island with uh, Naomi Aki to star now opposite Channing Tatum. Um, this just broke before the podcast started taping. An unknown TV series is in the works from you know Jean Macalester and Liam Neeson, who starred in the original 2011 movie. Kind of a box office hit, I didn't realize. Grossed about 135 million worldwide on a budget of only 30 million. You know, maybe another 20, 25 to market it. Yeah, you're looking at a, a nice little profit on 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 a movie like that. Um, but you know, I, Liam's not really going to be too involved like i can't imagine uh you know, the series is going to follow a different character you know if, if he makes a, a cameo appearance in the pilot like that wouldn't surprise me but he's not gonna have any kind of like substantial role on this thing garrett headland joining daisy ridley and ben mendelson and the marsh king's daughter that is an indie that i'm keeping an eye on uh and what else god that can't, can't be all right we got some big trailers this week we got a trailer for uh, The Many Saints of Newark, a Sopranos story, which was an interesting thing that had never really been reported before that it was going to be a Sopranos story. Are there going to be other Sopranos stories? Are we going to get a Furio movie? Like what? I cannot, like, the mind boggles with, with what they could do with this a Sopranos story thing. Of course, Star Wars introduced that and it, and it didn't really do much. Um, I thought it looked good. It looked good. I like, you know, these characters, even though this is obviously not how we're seeing them. Some of the makeup was a little distracting. You know, people are going to talk about Vera Farmiga's, you know, very big Italian nose. Uh, and, and, and I can talk about noses. I'm, I, I'm Jewish, um, you know, but like they really kind of packed, <laughs> packed the, uh, the makeup on for, for that one. But she does look like, uh, is it Lydia? Yeah, Lydia, Lydia Soprano. Lydia? Lydia. Um, Michael Gandolfini looks good because I was skeptical of that piece of casting. I was like, "Ooh, this, that's kind of dicey. It's kind of like a stunt casting thing." What? But like, he, he, he I, ha I have liked him in the things that I saw. I thought he was this, basically the standout in, in the Russo brothers movie Cherry. Um, yeah, he's kind of got like a little edge to him. So you know, while no, no, nobody's going to be able to to repeat you know, what James Gandolfini like accomplished and, and achieved with that towering performance in Sony Soprano, like those are, he's leaving his kids some big shoes to fill. It, it looked better than I was expecting. It looked better than I was expecting. The thing that I'll say, and I think I should credit Thad uh, for, for saying this in, in the Slack, but like the one thing that Sopranos was not was a two hour mob like action movie. You know, it, it was a movie, it was a show about family. And, and frankly, I think the best show ever on television or, you know, certainly the best drama series. Um, and so I, I hope it's not that. I hope that we do get that family element and that this movie does 
take some time to to indulge in those quieter moments that it's not just like another you know shoot them up mob picture because i think that would sort of be disrespecting the, the legacy but you know what Dave, Dave, this is david jason he's earned the right when, when you do create the greatest show ever you get you've earned the right to like make a few mistakes or you know so is this movie going to be perfect i can't imagine so but does it look more interesting than like most of the movies I've seen over the last two years? Yes. Yes, it does. And I, I definitely am excited for it. We also got a wild, wild trailer for Halloween kills. Like Jesus Christ. They finally throw kills in the title and like they, they, they take it seriously. I, like how is this trailer not a red band? I mean, there's some gnarly shit in here. Uh, it, it, it sort of felt like they showed the whole movie. It may have been like too much, but it all like it also got me super fucking excited. So obviously Michael just kills a bunch of firemen, which sounds like that, that could have been a movie on its own. Just Michael taking out firemen after firemen. Um, that that uh, death scene with like Lunell, right? Uh, with the fucking electric light, the, the bulb. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, it looks crazy, and but I, you know, you gotta, you gotta love the chutzpah, you know, just like Jamie Lee, like this is the final night, like he dies tonight, but of course we're getting another movie after this called Halloween Ends that comes out next October. Um, listen, you, Mike, Michael Myers is going to to go on there. They'll end up remaking it without you know Jamie Lee. Someone else will play Laurie Strode or something, or you know maybe they'll, they'll take it in a, just a completely different direction, but. Michael Myers ain't going anywhere, folks, especially if this movie does as well as the last one, which it seems like it will. Um, although I have heard mixed things, just as I've heard mixed things about another Universal Blumhouse movie. You know, you know which one I'm talking about, folks. It's coming out in August, August 27th, in fact, which is not a great date. Um, what else? And I wanted to, uh, oh, you know, let's just do the mailbag. Let's do Dustin Mason. Uh, he sent in something last week. I know we talked a lot about Rebel Ridge. He said, hey, Jeff, do you think Jeremy Salney's Rebel Ridge will be recast with perhaps Jason Mitchell? I think that dude has been great in everything he's been in it and deserves a second chance. And I think would be terrific under Salney's direction. If not Mitchell, who do you think could nab that part? Or maybe Emery Cohen takes over the lead. I love that guy too. Uh, and yeah, Emery Cohen's in the movie. Um, so I don't know... Plus, it seems like the you know the lead has to be black. I think that's like an essential part of the character, since I think the movie really deals with like race relations, which may very well have been why John Boyega walked off of it. He may have felt like un uncomfortable, you know, making a movie about race with like a bunch of white people. Uh, I I don't know. That's speculation on my part. Uh, will it be recast with Jason Mitchell? Probably the the last person it would be recast with, to be honest, outside of like Bill Cosby or O.J. Simpson. Like, I mean. Uh, I don't really see the Jason Mitchell thing happening. I do, you know, I think he is a great actor. I think Jason Mitchell blew me away in Straight Outta Compton and has been really solid in the things that I've seen him in since then, but I really have not heard much in the way of like a comeback for him. Um, I still think he probably has a lot of like responsibility to take, maybe a lot of personal work to do. And uh, we never really got the specifics of those allegations about him, if I recall, but I, I don't think that was like a, the greatest of, of situations. So yeah, I, I don't see them getting everybody back together and then taking like a, a risk, a, a flyer on like a risky hire, like, like Jason Mitchell. 
Uh, Dustin also said, also, what happened to that Linklater, Bill Hicks, George Carlin, those biopics recently? Why does Linklater have like six movies in development and that Blake Jenner movie, is that still happening? You know, a good question. I mean, there hasn't been much in the way of, you know, that Richard Linklater 20-year project, which we first reported on that Collider. Um, you know, I think he's just going to be shooting like a few minutes of the film like each year. So, you know, depending on like how much crew he really needs for that, I, I don't really know why we would hear much about that. Um, I mean, if I hadn't even written that story, I don't know if we ever would have heard about it. The Blake Jenner of knowledge is interesting because he had his own, you know, issues. Here I am talking about Jason Mitchell and then Blake Jenner comes up. Uh, but I don't know if because this movie isn't planned to come out for another 20 years, if they're pressing forward and like, yeah, in 20 years, you know, it'll be okay. Blake Jenner will have waited enough time or, or, or whatever. Um, but I, yeah, I don't, I also don't know if they were just like, you know what? We're going to pull the plug on this or, or, or just start over. Like, you know, you just start the experiment the following year. I mean, if it's going to be 20 years, what's one more, right? As far as the, the comedian biopics, you know, I, I think if those are projects that he's been developing, Linklater has like a, a movie coming out, right? Like about the, the space age thing. I think it's animated or stop motion anim animated. I'm not sure off the top of my head, but I think that's at Netflix and has like a really interesting cast. Um, so I think that's all he, he's been focused on. And he's like a one project at a time kind of guy, even though he does have these movies in development, like you're not gonna see a lot of movement on one until the other one comes out. So I would expect though in the next year that Linklater, that, that we get some sort of update on at least one of those projects. I don't know which one's going to be more pressing to him, Carlin or Hicks. I mean, someone should just do a fucking buddy movie about them. You know, even if they were like never buddies, I, I don't even know. It seems like, you know, Hicks was influenced by Carlin, but. Um, is that going to do it for the week? I'm, I'm just looking here at the list of things to discuss and talk about. Uh, it, it may very well. Checking the, the emails, making sure nothing else broke. Yeah, I think that's pretty much going to do it. You know, before I, I leave you, I mean, I want to wish everybody a, a wonderful 4th of July holiday. Um, you know, stay safe out there. Be careful with the fireworks. We, we hear every year about fireworks accidents. Don't be one of those people who get caught in, in that situation. Uh, and I just wanted to, you know, um, bid, a, bid a, a RIP farewell to, to uh, Alison Greenspan, a producer who was always very, very nice to me whenever I would call her office to bug her about, about the project she was producing with uh, Denise DeNovi. And um, yeah, she, she, she died a uh, a couple days ago at the age of 48 from cancer, fucking cancer, man. You know, I, I thought my mother died young at 61. Allison was only 48 um, and she was full of life and, and, and had a great sense of humor. And um, yeah, there's been an outpouring of, of love and support for her and, and uh, you know, her friends and family. So uh, RIP and, and thank you, Allison, for being such a sweetheart with me. And uh, yeah. It's an abbreviated show this week. So that, that'll do it for, for the Snyder Cut. Um, yeah, have, have, have a good weekend, guys. And I will see you next week with a full show. And, and maybe I'll try to get a, a new guest on or something like that. Anyways, if I don't see you, I'll see you somewhere. Take care.